from him who is our master. Not a taskmaster, but a master who loves and provides abundantly. From him be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning is our gospel lesson, especially this last part of it. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is our text. I read in the newspaper about a Florida woman named Angela Fernandez. Angela was given a black Bible over 20 years ago, and it was a Bible that she carried with her to and from school when she went to high school. She took it to all the various different activities like the Fellowship of Christian Student Meetings and other activities that she had there in school, but As time went by in high school, you know how it is. She got very busy, and in the haze of those high school years, somewhere along the line, she lost that Bible. Some 20 years later, the school was doing a construction project, and one of the construction workers found that Bible. He found a black Bible. He put it on the top of a trash heap, and the construction manager came by and picked it up and gave it to one of the employees of the school. And the employee tracked down Angela and told her that they had found her Bible. Angela took that as a sign because it seemed that she had fallen on very, very hard, very difficult times. She was now a single mother raising three children all by herself, working as a clerk in a store. And beyond that, her oldest child has just been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome. So Angela considered this Bible being found to be a sign that might help turn her life around. Now you know as well as I do that that's not the way that signs always work. Something might pop up in our lives that we think is a sign, but it really leads to nothing better, nothing improved, nothing hopeful or helpful. But in today's gospel lesson, John does not call this work of Jesus, this changing water into wine, a miracle. Instead, he calls it the first of his signs. And it is sign significant that John uses this terminology because a true sign, a good sign, always points beyond itself to something better, something greater. A sign draws not attention to itself, but to something else. So I know that many of you like to go over to New Smyrna Beach. Tammy and I like to go over there as well. And as we drive over there, we take the highway over off to the coast, and then we turn down the one highway that goes along the coast. And when we make that turn, there's a sign there that says New Smyrna 9. New Smyrna, nine miles away down the road. Now, when we see that sign, we don't stop at the sign and roll out our beach towel and take pictures of the sign. No, we keep going. We go to where the sign points so that we can enjoy a day at the beach. Seventeen times in John's gospel, he uses this word sign. And he uses it for Jesus' miraculous works. 
Jesus heals the sick, and it's a sign. He walks on water, and it's a sign. Jesus feeds 5,000 people, and it's a sign. Jesus gives sight to the blind and makes the lame walk and raises Lazarus from the dead, and John calls them all signs because they all pointed to something else. They all point to something greater. And the end of John's gospel reminds us exactly to what all of these signs point. Remember what it says? Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So these signs point to Jesus as the Son of God, the one who comes to bring you life. And here's one of the great points to this sign, this first sign of Jesus, this changing of water into wine. And for this, I have to turn to one of my least favorite subjects, math. So hang with me for just a little bit here. So Jesus tells the the servants there that day to fill the purification jars full of water. And these purification jars are 20 or 30 gallon jars. They were filled to the brim. So do the math. There are six of them, 20 to 30 gallons each. What does that get you? It gets you 120 to 180 gallons of water. Now, one gallon of wine produces five standard 750 milliliter bottles of wine, which is how we usually find our wine in the store today. 750 milliliter bottles produce five, uh, or one gallon of those is five bottles. Again, math is not my topic. Now, it took me a minute here, but if you do the math, you will find that Jesus provided that day between... 600 and 800 bottles of wine. Um, Excuse me? That would fill a very nice wine cellar for a very, very long time. And this wasn't just Manischewitz or Mogan David. This was really good wine. Very, very good wine. Maybe the, the best wine you have ever tasted in your life. Much more, much better than anyone could have ever expected. And here's the point. This is a sign that reminds us, that points to the lavish and extravagant abundance of God's grace. It points to God's abundant grace that he pours over and over and over us in extreme amounts because of Christ. As Martin Luther once said, God is extravagantly rich in his grace. Think about those two words, extravagant and rich. God is extravagantly rich in his grace. This extravagant grace isn't just here in John's gospel, but we see it all over the Bible. In fact, we saw it in the Bible readings that we heard here this morning. Our our first Bible reading from the book of Isaiah talks about how God's salvation is provided for all people of the world of every age and every time. 
1 Corinthians 12, our New Testament lesson, talks about God's abundant gifts for his church that he provides by way of his Holy Spirit. So where do you need to hear about the grace of God or have it spoken into your life today? I wonder if there is guilt or shame or sins you're still holding on to. Well, God's grace releases them all. It erases them all. It covers them all. It forgives and forgets them all. It wipes away that shame over and over and over and over and over and over again. It forgives all of your sins. And when it's forgiven all of your sins, it forgives even more than that. God's grace is extravagantly rich for you. Another thing this sign of Jesus does is points to the abundance that Jesus provides for his own mother. In the Gospel of John, Mary, the mother of Jesus, only appears two times, if you can imagine that. John doesn't talk at all about uh, the visit from the angel Gabriel or the dilemma that she has with Joseph. It, it doesn't talk about her pondering about these things and wondering about them around the manger. John introduces Mary here at this wedding in Cana because she too was a guest at this wedding. And she tells Jesus about this wine shortage that's happening here at the wedding. But then after this story about Jesus at the wedding at Cana and Mary there as well, we don't see Mary again almost till all the way at the end of the gospel in John chapter 19. And do you know where she is there? She's standing at the foot of the cross. And there next to her, not too far away from her, is John, the one who is writing the words of this gospel. And do you remember what Jesus says to Mary, his mother, from the cross? He says to her, behold your son. And he says to John, behold your mother. Like Jesus did at the wedding, he was still providing in abundance for his mother, Mary. John wants, to, wants us to see that Mary was there at both of those times to see both of these acts and to receive God's abundant provision for her in her life. Both times, places where there were problems. One seemingly insignificant and one very significant. Our God is rich in grace, John seems to be telling us. Even and especially when there are hardships, trials, troubles in life. When there are difficulties. And far beyond that, God is abundant in rich and rich in grace and mercy. Even and especially in the midst of suffering and even death. Jesus demonstrates that even when he is dying, he's providing abundantly for his mother. Another thing that this sign of Jesus does, this changing water into wine, is it changes the way that we look at Jesus. Imagine how the servants that day, even the disciples, even Mary, viewed Jesus differently after they witnessed this incredible miracle, this incredible miraculous sign. 
The last verse of our text tells us explicitly what the reaction of the disciples was. It says they believed in him. The servants at the wedding probably just saw Jesus as any other guest that day until this shortage of wine comes to the fore and Jesus then becomes a master. Not everyone saw that he was the master, but the servants certainly saw it and so did Mary and so did the disciples. They believed and so do we. We believe in this Jesus who is our loving, providing master. Which is why it sometimes becomes a problem for us when we simply or just treat Jesus as a guest. We tend to do that sometimes in life, don't we? Well, we welcome Jesus as a guest when we come here to church or do things like this. But, but maybe there are other times when we kind of push Jesus out of our lives as our guest. Maybe when we're with friends or at work, maybe when we're at school. But Jesus shows us here that he won't remain as a guest. As he shows us today with this miraculous sign, Jesus is the master. He's an abundantly generous master who gives us the very best. And what is better than forgiveness? What's better than life? What is better than salvation? And as the master, Jesus calls us to follow him. Remember what Mary said to the servants that day? Do whatever he tells you. It's really not a bad response for those who have seen the sign, for those who have believed in Jesus, for those who have received his abundance in so many different ways. The miraculous signs of Jesus are present here today. Jesus has brought together his baptized people, those of us who have been marked with his mark, who have been named with his name. And as God brings you, all of us people together in this place, he provides abundantly as you and I and all of us together help and support and pray for and comfort one another in ways that are too countless to even know or talk about. Jesus' signs are present today and will be in just a few moments as he does a miracle here today. As Jesus, when his words are spoken, adds his body and blood to the bread and wine that's sitting on this altar today. And you will receive it into your mouth to receive abundantly forgiveness and peace and grace and life and salvation. Jesus' sign is present here today. As we heard John read just a little earlier in his word, the book of Isaiah, the book of 1 Corinthians, the book of John God's word is read and it is a sign because it always points to him who is the resurrection and the life. A sign is a true sign if it points beyond itself to Jesus, the master, the giver, the one who provides in abundance. So 
I'd encourage you to watch for those signs this week as you do your daily devotions, as you gather together in Bible study, as you look forward to worship next week, and see how God is providing abundantly for you in and with and by and through these signs. And know that the abundant love and grace and forgiveness of God is going to carry you through any and every difficulty in life and carry you especially through even the gate of death and the grave. As I sat with Betty Hopton this past Friday as she was drawing her last breaths, I saw the sign of God at work in Betty's life. A longtime member of this congregation, she heard God's word. She believed and trusted in him. And some of the very last words that she heard on this earth were the sign of Jesus from his word, pointing her in the direction of the grave and beyond that grave to the place where she now lives with him the one who lives and reigns unto all of eternity, providing abundantly, not just today and tomorrow, but providing abundantly for you, you and I who will live because we are God's baptized children forever. In Jesus' name, amen.